I'm excited to share this episode of What's Wrong with Orny Adams with you right now. This episode was recorded earlier this year, before COVID, before coronavirus was even a part of our everyday vernacular. We had never even heard of it before. We were living, quote unquote, normal lives. We were allowed to mingle amongst others, maskless. We didn't have to stay six feet away from people. We didn't look into strangers' faces and think, that person might get me sick. We didn't use hand sanitizer all the time. We weren't hoarding supplies. It was a different time, and it was happier. This is What's Wrong with Orny Adams, episode 13. Originally, this was going to be episode two with my friend Harlan Williams as my guest. This episode personifies and embodies so much of the spirit of what this podcast was supposed to be before I was not able to do it. I wasn't able to go out on the road anymore and gather stories and bring them back and share them with you. You'll see on this episode, I run into Dane Cook at the comedy store in the the green room, and I tell him I'm having Harlan Williams on as my guest, and he starts immediately to do a Harlan Williams impression. And then I play that impression for Harlan on this podcast. You'll hear it in a few moments. Also, I interview an Uber driver that drove me from LAX to my home. We went through the fires, the Getty fires in Los Angeles. So, you know, this was 2019. And I could just tell there was something really interesting about him. I I can usually sense it. Most people have an interesting story. I knew this guy had something really interesting. He had a scar on his face and just his, his demeanor said something. And so I wanted to get it out of him. And I knew that may take some coaxing. So after about, you know, 30 minutes in the car, I finally, I finally got it out of him. He left Armenia perhaps because he went to break up a fight in a bar and ended up getting stabbed by somebody in the Armenian mob. And so he got out of that country. I think what will be interesting is you'll hear me talk about doing shows. You know, at one point, I run into a Tom Petty impersonator, and we do the theme song together. Oh, this song, which, by the way, Harlan Williams wrote and performed with his cousin, Kevin Hearn, who's in the Beer Naked Ladies. And now people are covering the song. So... He's got crazy hair. He's, He's got, got great, great big, big eyes. What's, What's his name, Kev? Kev? I'm going to bring it down just a little bit here. Adam's Adam's so when I asked Harlan Williams to be my guest on the podcast, I was hoping... Now, Harlan's a really good friend of mine. In fact, we went hiking the other day together. And we really have these great discussions. And that's, one of, <laughs> that's the Harlan I wanted to show up for the podcast. But I got the Harlan that many of you guys know. Who's this, this character. That's, it's not really a character. It's a side of Harlan. But I wanted to share with you the other side. But I didn't get that. I got this. So enjoy this. This is what was going to be the original second episode of What's Wrong with Morning Adams. I have one more left with my guest, Tom Green. That will air on New Year's Day. And this, right now... In the new con- reconfigured What's Wrong with Orny Adams is uh, episode 13. Thank you. Enjoy. Play the clip of my mom. Not Orny Adams. Uh, d- just got disconnected. Then I was trying to uh, 
connect you to the uh, recorder so I can hear all these complaints. I know you were recording. I, I wasn't recording. I was trying to switch over, and I took the... Oh, I, that's what I figured. I had it. I, I knew it. I'm going to be on a podcast. But you need my permission first. Okay, do I have your permission? No. <laughs> I've got to go the recording and edit it and bring in my people. I'm going to edit out you saying no. <laughs> You're my mom. You have to be on the podcast if I want you. I... Hi, I'm Sarah from the Netherlands, and what I think is wrong with this world is that people still can be themselves for 100% without getting judged. What's wrong with Orny Adams? This is Andrea Weeb from Vancouver, Canada, and what's wrong with Orny Adams is a phrase that we ask ourselves in French and English all the time, because Orny Adams doesn't show us any love in Vancouver. Come see us, Orny. Hey, this is Jeff Davis. I created the show Teen Wolf. And if you want to know what's wrong with Orny Adams, just do a TV show with him for six seasons. Me so Orny. You done? My thing is when people sit on the equipment. With their phone. With their phones. Doing nothing. Doing nothing. They're not even aware. They're not even aware that they're on the phone and people might be waiting. They don't even care. How about people walking around the gym? There are people walking around the gym FaceTiming. I don't want to be an extra in your FaceTime video. Me so orny. At the gym? Here's what's wrong with cell phones at the gym. People don't get up off equipment anymore. When they're done, they used to stand up. Now they just sit on the equipment checking their phone. They turn it into an office. And they're not even approachable. Like you feel bad saying, hey, do you mind if I work in? Or how many more do you have? You're like a bad guy if you do that. They just sit there. They go, set, cell phone, set. Cell phone, set, cell phone, set, cell phone, cell phone, set, set, cell phone. It is so obnoxious. I would know. Because right now I'm recording this, sitting on a piece of equipment. Yeah! What's that? I have one more. It's going to be a good day. I got my buddy here. Welcome uh, in studio. Welcome to uh, Big Yellow. Big Yellow? What's that? This is uh, this is what we're in. This is- oh, that's the name of the trailer? The trailer uh, studio is Big Yellow. I have a pair of underpants that I call that, too. <laughs> yeah. I hope you're wearing them today. I am. I saw a ghost and had an accident. Are you uh, Are you one of the guys? You're on your phone a lot, aren't you? Uh, not as much as you, but quite a bit. You yeah. know, I don't I don't talk on it a lot. That's right. the funny thing. I, I do everything but use it for what it was made for. Right. I play solitaire. I, uh, I, I tweet things. I look at recipes. Are you driving and texting? Uh, no. I'll, I'll stop at a stoplight. I will. I will take a gander. Right. But but I, I realize it's when you look down. So much of the world goes by when you're going forty miles an hour, right. even for a second. Right. Like I looked down once for like three seconds, and when I looked up, I was in a different country. Yeah. Almost. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was weird. It was weird. I, sometimes. I'll look around and everybody's on their phone while they're driving. Oh yeah. And I can't believe there aren't more accidents from people driving and texting. Well, I think there are. They're saying that it you know, they're doing public service announcements now that saying texting and driving is the new drinking and driving. Yeah, I here's what I really can't believe. Uh-oh. I, Uh-oh. I can't believe I can't believe there were any accidents before driving and texting. How did two people 
driving while driving. Yeah. Ever hit. hit. Each other. Right. That's a good point. But here's what I don't believe. Two and people I, paying attention hit each other? I'm I'm not believing something more than you're not believing. Here's what I can't believe. Mm-hmm. I can't believe it's not Bada. <laughs> Got you, bro. Give me a high five win that round. Oh, we're high fiving? Yeah. Right. That was was that the first round? That's great. Did That's I win great. it? Do you want to know what's on uh, the show today? Well, yeah, I gotta know if I won that round with you I won. can't believe it's not Bada. You won. I did? Yes. Did that sound a bit like Terminator, though? I was oh. trying to do Fabio. Imagine if the Terminator did, I'll be back because I can't believe it's not bother. That it was just, the Terminator. It was the Terminator. I was trying to do Fabio, that long-haired maniac it's not that looks like Tuma. Farrah Fawcett with a, with a hair straightener. We're already way off oh, script. Oh, sorry. Okay. Go. Yeah. I can't believe I'm <laughs> off script. <laughs> Harlan Williams. Yes. Welcome to... Hi, buddy. Yeah, Big Yellow. Big Yellow. Want to know what's on the show today? Yes. All right, let's do it. Let's fire it up. Just another rainy day <laughs> oh, in Florida. Oh, my God. Thinking of our funny little friend. We added instrumentals. He's got crazy hair. He's got great big eyes. Here we go. Today, in studio, my good friend, Harlan Williams. Hey, everybody. This is actor, comedian, supermodel, Harlan Williams. Stay tuned to find out what's wrong with Harlan. Why would he ever make this sound? Doesn't even sound human. And on this episode, I run into another friend. Backstage at the Comedy Store with Dane Cook. Hey, what's up, podcasters? It's like, what are you, like, a roving podcaster? It is. And finally, part two. What's wrong with these people driving us in their cars? They stabbed me with knife eight times in my back. I don't want to get stabbed. That and much, much more on episode two, season one. What's wrong with Orny Adams? All right. Come on, how great is that? That is good. That is sweet. I mean, that's tight. That's you. I can't believe you used that song. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> I got to tell Kevin. Oh, Kevin. He's so happy. Kevin will be so, we're, so. We're honored. That you, you're, is that like your regular song for your podcast? That's the theme song. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. And fans are, are sending in their versions of the song, too. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. Yeah. You know, me and Kevin just did that as a goof. Oh, what's this? This is the violin version. <laughs> Wow. Oh, it's all the rage. It's kind of lonely, that one. Well, I think the violin is... It's haunting. It's very haunting. I picture, like, someone with demented eyes sitting on a wooden <laughs> porch with a... It's very Fiddler on the Roof. It's very more like Deliverance on the Roof. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Deliverance <laughs> fell through the roof <laughs> and hit his head on a violin. Yeah. Everybody, I'm telling you, everywhere <laughs> I go, people just... they. Uh, they love the theme, and they play. They do I mean, good. Oh, real musicians. God. Tom Petty. What? He's Tom dead, Petty. bro. He's dead. Tom Petty's dead, but Come on, Tom Petty impersonator. Just another sunny day in Florida. Yes. I did a gig with a Tom Petty impersonator. No, you did. Yeah, it was like a private show, and they had him walking around singing oh, Petty songs. 
So I'm like, I gotta get this guy to do the That's theme. That's so petty. <laughs> That's great. He's got the great big hair. He's got the big eyes. You got Wow. I mean Well we keep going. That is that is so petty. That's very petty. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Everybody's doing it. Wow, that's amazing. I didn't know it'd become a rage. It's a dude. rage. I mean it was just a greeting. It was a video greeting and now it's a rage. It's a thing. Just another it's gone rainy big. day oh, wow. in Florida. Wild, isn't it? Wow. Thinking of our funny little friend. Oh, we got to get like the, the Boston Symphony or someone to do this. We've got to get as many big people as possible to I do wanna it. I want to hear Yanni do it. I want to hear Kenny G do it. Yeah. I want to hear Fabio do it. Kevin, Kevin is your cousin, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah Kevin. Kevin is amazing. Yeah. And you guys were in Florida. What happened? Well, we were in Florida, and whenever me and Kevin go anywhere, we're mm-hmm. always thinking of our buddy Orny Adams. Yes. So wherever we go, and we see each other probably like five, six times a year, maybe if we're lucky. So everywhere we go, I always find a good moment. I go, we got to send a shout out to Orny Adams. And so we did one at uh, at uh, Desert Trip. We, we, we were there watching Bob Dylan live. It's my favorite. And we knew you. I knew he was your favorite. So we we did a big shout out to you there. And then Kevin came down to Florida. We were hanging out at this beach house and it was raining. And we went on on the deck and we, we sung that song. That's amazing. We just improvised it. It makes me so happy every time I hear it. Remember <laughs> oh, the time that's so good. I brought you out on stage at the comedy store? Yeah, and you, you held your phone up. I held my phone up and we sang it. And yeah. Nobody knew what was going on, but yeah. it was a great moment for us. Oh, that was hilarious. Yeah. Because you're one of my rare comedy friends. So when yeah. I get videos from yeah. you, and you <laughs> start it. You always start the topic, like outside of Vetzel's Pretzels. <laughs> Vetzel's Pretzels. <laughs> I don't know why I even do that. So now every time I... I'm in a mall, which is every other week performing at an improv. Yeah. I I do a Wetzel's Pretzels <laughs> video and send it to you. Wetzel's Pretzels, yeah. Aldi. Yeah. Who's Kevin? Kevin is your cousin. Kevin Hearn. He's my cousin. He's he's uh, one of the band members in uh, the Bare Naked Ladies. Yeah. So you, in a way, you've got like a legitimate musician who did your theme song. Kevin plays the guitar. He plays the piano. He writes songs for the Bare Naked Ladies. And then you got me, who's not so much a musician, but at least you got half of a real musician. I love it. Doing Orny your and Harlan, Orny and Harlan, or, 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 Orny and Harlan. Go the other way, too. Harlan and Orny, Harlan and Orny, ha, 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 Harlan and Orny. Kevin, what? That's Kevin. Where's that one from? That's Kevin. I've never heard of that one. He just did that? Yes! Oh my god, that's great. Hi, Orny. Hi, it's Kevin. Kevin Hearn, Harlan's cousin. How are you guys doing? I remember when Harlan and I were kids, he was a few years older than me so still is as a matter of fact uh, I was always intrigued by his room because he always had a collection of 
little skulls, squirrel skulls, monkey skulls. I don't know what they were. And he had a few like octopus and jars and models of horror film characters like Dracula and Frankenstein and a whole shelf full of mad magazines. So, and he also had a little table with sketchbooks where he would draw. So I was always fascinated by Harland and, uh, you know, we're still friends after all these years. So <laughs> there you go. Bye, Orny. Hi, Har. Hey, buddy. I think we're wow. all fascinated by Harlan Williams. Wow. Yeah, my room when I was a kid, it was like a museum. People would come into my room and I had stuff hanging from the the ceiling and posters. And I used to collect skulls from dead animals. And I, I had like formaldehyde, you know, creatures in bottles. And yeah, it was and I, I set it up too, like a museum. It wasn't just like a poster on the wall. Like it was like Every area of my room was like you could just stand and look at it for half an hour. And that's amazing. Do you have yeah. any pictures of this? I don't know if there's any pictures, but it was just like I, I was very eclectic. I collected things, and I like to display things. And you, you've always been that way. I have. Yeah, I mean, even now I see it. You're. Oh yeah. You're eccentric, well, and, and I love it. And you're one of the examples of the people, you know, that I in comedy that you're being yourself. When you're on stage and very few people are being themselves. But if you want to see a comic who's not doing a put on, it's Harlan. Oh, thank you. Well, yeah. you know, it took me a while to get to that point. When I started out, I was I, I did a whole gallery of different personas. Mm -hmm. I think I, I went through like four or five. Right. And, and I even did a few that worked better than what I do as me. Right. I remember at one point I was doing a, a persona that would. I'd get standing ovations with this thing. Right. And I thought, here I go. I'm on my way. But after doing it for about six months, I realized I was trapped inside of this character. Right. And one thing I've learned about stand-up is it, it's such a free-flowing medium. Like, I, right. I realized when I'm myself, I can just... It's like throwing open the windows and letting the wind come in. You yep. know what I mean? But when you when you do a character, for me at least... You're locked into it like like a Pee Wee or a, mm -hmm. you know Stephen Wright or things like that, which are great if right. you're willing to do them. But I found it very restrictive, yep. and so I I threw away all that and just I try to just be myself up there having a good time. Huh? Yeah, huh. it's amazing. Yeah. I started talking to you about this about a year ago. Yeah, and I said I have this this idea for a podcast, but I don't think I'm going to have ho guests. I, I would be the host. I don't, I'm not going to have a guest. Yeah, I'll, I'll just. Record people on the road, sure, yeah, and which we'll we'll play in a few minutes. I want to play you a, a oh. driver, an, an Uber driver, okay, uh, that had an unfortunate incident in Armenia. Holy God! And we Who hasn't it. had one of those? That's why I don't tour there anymore. Yeah, I had that a couple reason. there. Well, tell me about one of them. Well, I lost my virginity four times one night in mm. a back alley behind uh, an sure Armenian restaurant. Well, it did that night. Yeah, so it really hurt. Was that Still like they chapped. set the clocks back an hour or so? No, it just happens fast and quickly, yeah. and they put a potato bag over your head, yeah. and so it counts as four, mm. and then uh, when I went back the next night to get the eight, yeah. uh, it was uh, the same. It just felt like Orny Groundhog Day. That sounds like a pig. Orny, 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 orny. <laughs> <laughs> orny, 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 orny. 
too soon. People are sending in uh, songs, submissions what? to what's wrong at orneyadams.com. Oh, good. So, yeah, so if you, it, people listening, yeah. this is now episode two. If you want to play the thong. The, the thong? <laughs> we gotta, we'll edit that out, right? If no, you want to play the I, I song. I want to learn to play the thong. If you want to play the thong. Wow. If you want to play the song, yeah, the Harlan and Kevin uh, theme song, right. please send the submission to what's wrong at orneyadams.com. Yeah. If you want to send a little clip like the beginning of the episode, we have people from all over the world. From One uh, young lady was from the Netherlands. Nether- Netherlands? And I'm sure you have a story about that, right? You're you, damn right. I bet you lost your virginity there, too. Six times, wow. bro. Yeah. In one hour? It wasn't even an hour. The, the sun doesn't go down in the Netherlands, so it lasted 12 days. Yeah. I thought it was an hour, but I couldn't tell because it never got dark. Yeah. And if you're going to lose your virginity, lose it in the dark. That's yep. what I say. So stay away from the Netherlands. There's a reason why they're so pale. Mm. Yeah. Isn't that funny? The sun's up all the time, and they're the whitest people on the planet. Shouldn't they be the most tanned people on the planet? Mm. The sun never goes down, and yet something's off. The sun never goes down in the Netherlands? The Netherlands. It's up all the time. And they're they're whiter than Snow White's last potato fart. I feel like... I mean, uh, it's, it's like, dude, what's go- how can you stand in the sun for the people that for don't know 40 Harlan, years and this, not get a tan? This is so typical. I mean, God. <laughs> like we're talking Isn't about weird? you and your cousin, and, yeah. and he said that you were very... You know, a little bizarre growing up. Is that the word? Eclectic, maybe. Eclectic, maybe. I went to a bazaar once. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what happened? Well, I lost my... You know what? You don't need to know about my virginity anymore. I don't? Oh, because it keeps happening? Well, it it happens over and over. What was this? That nonsense about... What was that? That that was... We played uh, that in the opening. That was from Dumb and Dumber. My first movie ever. Yeah. And uh, that came, I was, I was doing the scene with uh, Jim Carrey where I drank the bottle of uh, beer that he had peed in. So it really wasn't beer. It, it really was. I'm, I never tell people. People always ask me. They walk up, Were you, was there really pee in that bottle, man? God, are people dumb? And I just look at them and I'm going, well, I'm not going to tell. As right. if they don't know the answer. But, but, um, but the- you did drink real pee that day. To make the read as yeah, just to clear my throat. It's right. a, it's a throat exercise. Right. Yeah, but I didn't do it in the movie. I'll, I'll do it before a take. Just like some people like lemon tea, mm-hmm. some people like cinnamon water, but I'll gargle with a nice hot urine and uh, clear because the I know, pipes. I, I know your process as an actor yeah. because yeah, you're yeah, a yeah. tremendous actor. Uh, so I know you. that you wouldn't just go in there and say, "All right, I've got to drink a a beer bottle." Yeah, this is the movie Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, that has urine in it yeah and not make the right facial right expression right, right. and sound and you chose uh this was your sound that you made yeah which clearly you stole from sort of yeah right sort of it was a it was a dolphin noise right the origin of that noise is uh before i did the dumb and dumber movie the Farley brothers came to see me do stand up mm-hmm and one of the bits I did way back then was uh, Whitney Houston had that song out, I Will Always Love You. Remember that song? Yeah. And she's like, I will always... And it just got higher and higher. Her voice, her register went up. And I said, imagine she just kept going until she turned into a dolphin. Right. And so I started doing dolphin noises. And when we were shooting uh, out in the field, the, the Farley brothers said, hey, next take, like, do your dolphin noise. And I said, what, where, how? They said, we don't know, just 
Just do it. So I was trying to think of a, a place where it would organically fit, and I thought <laughs> after he drank a bottle of pee, right. of course he's going to go... Make a dolphin noise. You can still do it perfectly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you ever do that on stage? I used to do a whole bit about it. I did, I did the whole uh, Whitney Houston thing. I used to talk about, I had a whole bit I did about going to SeaWorld and falling in love with a dolphin and uh, taking pleasures with its blowhole. Uh-huh. And uh, freeing Willie. Yeah, you know, so but, to speak. Yeah, so, uh, but... But uh, you've told me off when we haven't been recording. Yeah. That one of your greatest inspirations as an actor... Yeah. I mean, can I say, or is it... Sure, I mean, go I don't, for it. Because we're really good friends. Yeah, yeah. Like, we talk a lot. Yeah, we, we do. We go out for meals. We, we alternate. I pay, you pay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're very close. We, yeah. So we're I don't, tight, like a pair of Calvin Klein jeans pressed together in the laundry room basket. So I don't... I, I just don't want to go... Sorry, what? our friendship. What's this? Slip inspiration. They call him Flipper. Uh, Flipper, faster than lightning. <laughs> no one you see. Is smarter than he. Smarter than he. I don't know if Flipper's the smartest. Well, that's. I, he does live in a world full of wonder. He does, yeah. Well, I, I always found it funny that they say dolphins are the second smartest creatures to humans. Yeah. And then you go to SeaWorld and they jump up and they go like. Oh, the king of the sea. It's like a different band. Yeah. It's like, it's like my theme song, just yeah. multiple people singing it. It almost sounds like if you put this in Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, yeah. I would think this was one of the songs. Yeah. This is one of my favorite Christmas songs. It is. I think it's a Christmas song. Yeah. <laughs> I'm picturing all the elves and Rudolph, like, swaying back and forth, and <laughs> Rudolph, like, pops out of a... Uh, Ice hole in the Arctic. I used to love when, like, someone was in trouble, like a shark was coming after them, and Flipper just... Oh, Flipper. That's He's a bottlenose dolphin, too. Do you know the difference between a porpoise and yeah. a dolphin? Uh-huh. You yeah. do, don't yeah. you? Dolphins just kind of meander around, mm-hmm. and porpoises have a lot of porpoise. What? You asked me. If you're going to ask me, think... That sounds like a toilet flushing. That sound that sounded like someone flushing a dolphin down the toilet. That's what that's what ha- that's what happens when I I, I go and I pull the first Good clip of a dolphin. Lord. I would have liked to have seen that in Leonardo DiCaprio's movie. You know that movie where they they killed all the dolphins. Just the opening scene is a dolphin swirling around what in the movie toilet. Is this? He did that documentary called Blood oh. Bay or something. Yeah, I don't know. Horrible, that. horrible. Huh, is that the one that went down to SeaWorld and that? No, that was uh, Blackfish. That's where the, the, the orcas were eating yeah. the uh, trainers, which go figure. Let's jump in the water like a shiny licorice candy. You know, you got human beings like. Ins- yeah, but if you were starving yeah. and every day I came out and I gave you a fish. Yeah. Which is much like our friendship. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. You probably wouldn't kill me. Well, when I weighed you up next to the fish, the fish is like the size of a popsicle, mm-hmm. and you're like six foot two, about 200 pounds. I'm mm-hmm. like, do I want a meal or do I want a <laughs> finger food? Right. 
I'm eating you, bro. So you're saying the trainers in SeaWorld were not giving the dolphins enough fish to prevent them from being eaten. I'm saying the trainers in SeaWorld were the main course, and they just didn't know it yet. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think you're most known for... By the way, before you jump in, the, the, the humiliating part isn't being eaten by a killer whale. It's like when you have on your grainstone that you were shit out by a killer whale. <laughs> That's the real humiliation. You don't think it's it's when people You're, stand up and applaud because they think it's part of the show? Right, but then uh, when the show's over, like a day later, you're a turd. Do you watch Dateline? You're a freaking turd floating in the water like the chocolate bar in, in that caddy uh, oh, shack. Do you watch Dateline? I don't. My, I, look, I didn't date. I told you it was no, taken this... from me in the Netherlands. God. Why do you come Ernesto is loving him? this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ernesto is, uh, he's the producer of the podcast. To me, he's a magician. Anyone with that name, Ernesto, you didn't get a chance to say hi on the last episode. Ernesto, welcome to the stage, Ernesto. Yo, what up? Hey, buddy, how you doing? He's a gangster. Yeah, he's a gangster (laughs) magician. Yeah, gangster audio guy. That's the producer Mike back there. Give me your wallet, give me your uh, watches, give me your money, I'll make them disappear right now. I'm Ernesto. Ernesto. Do Do you feel like you're most, what are you most known for? I feel like that. That Dumb and Dumber was a big, was a big thing for you. Well, it was because it was my first foray, if I can use the word, into movies. It was my first uh, screen time. Sold a film. lot of tickets for you for a long time. That was your yeah, that yeah. was your thing. Well, it was uh, it, it was the start of all my movies. So it, it was the beginning, and uh, it was fantastic. I, yeah. I, uh, I I had no idea how big it was going to be. I had no idea how funny it would be, and it's it's. It's great to be part of something like that. Yeah, it really is. It really is, yeah. I love it. And people, somehow, that small scene, I think I was on screen for three minutes maybe, four minutes, I don't even know, and people remember every line. It's very strange. But That's amazing. It, it makes me happy that it makes them happy. That's what it's all about. Hey, we have a friend that wants to say hi. Ooh. Yeah. Do you have a Harlan Williams impression? Hey, what's up, everybody? Dan Cook. Hey there, what's going on there? Cheese it yam can yams head. You want to come up here and maybe throw out a, a ham sandwich for everybody to enjoy their buddy, yeah? <laughs> Pretty good. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I was rolling with you. No, you were right. Yeah, I yeah, did yeah, it yeah. Again. We did the impression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I have Har- Harlan's going to be on my podcast this week. So I'm backstage at the comedy store with Dane Cook. Do you, you must have a Harlan Williams story. I just remember when I first landed in L.A., and I was at the Laugh Factory primarily, and it was Bob Marley and myself, uh, Freddie Soto, the great Shirley Hemphill, and Harland. And Harland would go up after we all were like doing, you know, our, our act. Mm-hmm. Everybody came in like with stuff to unload, stuff that we were working on. I came from Boston with like 20 minutes of stuff I'm going to fucking torch the earth with. <laughs> and... We kill. Bob kills. Marley. Freddie goes up, kills. I went up. I had a fucking killer set. And then I remember Harlan went up, and he just did this thing where he just stared at the crowd for a second. And do you remember in Dumb and Dumber, he took the sip of the uh, piss in the bottle and goes like... Yeah. He did that. Pull over! You, uh... You fellas been doing a bit of boozing, have you? Sucking back on Grandpa's old cough medicine? Sir, no, wait, 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 wait. No, sir, don't. Don't. You'd keep your mouth shut if you knew it was good for you, buddy. Tic-tac, sir? Get the hell out of here. 
for whatever his he just took a sip of water and did that right. and it and it killed and I remember Bob and I standing at the back of the room, and it was the first time ever that I think we both realized, like, all that work is for nothing. <laughs> it's, not a, it's not about, yeah, it's just about being dialed in. And I'll never forget, I never uh, followed Harland without being really ready, right. knowing, dude, he's going to pull him into him in a big way, so... Oh, he's amazing. Yeah, always. What's, what's amazing is he loves going on after acts like us that are just really big, yes, amped up, and gets the crowd behind us. Yeah, yeah. I do love that. I do. I love going on. The, the stronger the comic you are, the more I want to go on after you. You called it. me before, and oh, you always. said, "Come down to the improv tonight," and yeah. you asked me specifically to get what? Pardon me. You asked me specifically. Get a standing ovation. We just did a show like like three weeks ago, and I said, you better get a standing ovation after this because I knew I was going on <laughs> after you. Yeah. I just love it. I like mountains. I like yeah. climbing. Like the bigger the challenge, the bigger the obstacle. I just, I just, I don't know why I thrive. I but just love it. He's saying what I was saying earlier, oh. that you are who you are, and that I comes see. through on stage. And most people, like Leno used to say, you as a comic, you spend your entire career trying to be as funny as you were the second before you stepped up on stage i see yeah yeah you are that you're that person on stage you're genuine you're fun to watch (laughs) and you know it goes back to why i had kevin your cousin send in a clip about your childhood because this is this goes way back yeah you were always different and you embrace that on stage you've done specials out in the wilderness (laughs) for nobody you just went into the desert and started telling jokes and i think they they a bird flew by and, yeah yeah yeah. Uh, yeah I I like I like to uh, I don't know I just like challenges you know I mean stand up already on its own is is a tough challenge like I I knew getting into it it's most people tell you it's the scariest thing they'd ever want to try they're wrong but then once I I I got into the the scary I wanted it to get scarier right I, so so I I just look for challenges that make it harder for me and make me push hard i'm like the idiot that goes into the haunted house in in the horror movie uh-huh. and i'm the one that pulls open every closet door uh-huh. like yeah. i know the monster's there but i'm like right. i'm opening the other the rest are running out of the house but i i, I don't know I, I like i like living in that space you're one of a few comics that i really enjoy watching Thank and you, can man. watch over and over again because you never where it's gonna never know where it's gonna go <laughs> i think the fr- I think the first time we worked together, probably the first time we met, somehow our agents put us together on a show to play a college. Oh, yeah, in San Diego. Yeah. Yeah, I, I haven't, hadn't even met you until then. Right. Yeah. And you were very gracious. I remember oh, yeah. uh, you've always been ahead of me in the business. I've always respected you for that. And I got up there and you said, just you know, do 30 minutes. Do whatever you want. Do an hour. You didn't, you didn't care. You just wanted to get paid. And... <laughs> Yeah, I, I was just looking forward to working with you and and uh, doing doing a show, and it was a cool little room, and we had a great night. And then I remember afterwards we went and hung out. And yeah, it but was, it was fun. But I went up on stage and I did my jokes. I did my routine. Yeah, and then you went on after me and did my jokes and my routine. <laughs> you just you. I mean, and it went on for like fifteen minutes. You just kept repeating everything I just said, and the audience didn't know what was happening. Yeah, I like to do that, man. That's another challenge. I, I I like going. I did a I did a show a few years ago, um, where I did a big theater. It was yeah, a, it was a comedy yeah. uh, festival thing. Right, and they put me on last. I think they put six or seven comedians on it in front of me. Uh huh. And so I went and sat in the back and I watched all their acts, 
And in my head, I took a piece of each of their acts and then threaded them together to make one story. I love that. And so I, when I went out at the end, I started my act with the first comics joke, mm -hmm. segued into the second, and, and by about two and a half jokes in, people realized that I was doing every, a piece of everyone else's material, and by the end, they just exploded because it's like great. I, but I, I love doing that it's my, so that's fun. my favorite kind of humor that unravels where it just right. takes a little bit it's like yeah. a wave like the first yes. wave of people get it and then the yeah. other people say well, what did we miss and then they they figure it out like it's textured comedy that's fun yeah i, I love that too because it's it's it, it it has the appearance at the beginning that it's it's dying mm -hmm. you know and 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 when it goes in waves like you say it people get on board and it pulls them up and and they 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 laugh so hard it's it's a great feeling i also like to do this i like to direct the audience one way thinking like you're gonna get behind me right now that <laughs> i'm behind you you believe you you believe what i'm saying yes. but i reverse it and then the joke is on them for laughing at the beginning yes and i love that to me you're great at that playing yeah. with the audience is fun what yeah. what do you find most challenging about stand-up comedy uh god most challenging is i don't know just getting there i, I think the airport you mm -hmm. know i mean i know you're looking for an answer on stage but but like i said earlier there can be no challenge for me right. i i want there to be constant challenges so, so you hate flying you hate the, the getting there part just getting there is is tough i wish i could just transport myself there because i love doing the shows but slogging through airports and sitting on planes for eight hours and transferring flights that that's torture to me but but uh, on stage I, I i don't know that there's anything that that's really challenging because i mm -hmm. i want there to be challenges i'm looking me, for challenges can you help me figure this out about traveling yeah why when you go through tsa yeah if you hand them a paper ticket they sit there and they start scribbling and circling right. things and, and yeah. initialing they write their phone numbers it's a, it's a big it's a big deal big to yeah. do yeah yeah then you give them their phone they scan it they're like go ahead Really? What, what, they what do happened? that for you? Because I had a guy with a Sharpie scribble uh -huh. all over my iPhone the other day. And I'm like, I can barely see my texts anymore. Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't know why they do that. Why do they even do it, period? It's a show. It's just so it's ridiculous. A, it's symbolism. That's what this world is. It's bullshit. Yeah. Symbolism. Well, when you go to other countries, they don't do this nonsense. That's, that's where you go, what the hell are we doing? And then when you also think that if... If guys really wanted to blow up planes, they could just put stuff in a FedEx box mm -hmm. and put it in the belly. You right. know, I, I think there's way more easier ways to infiltrate than... Maybe you shouldn't uh, give a blueprint for how to blow up planes. Yeah, that's true. Maybe but you shouldn't be encouraging. Maybe I shouldn't work for FedEx either. God. <laughs> I find comedy challenging every single... I, something, I, I love it, and then something just knocks me down every what single do you mean? well i feel like i'm constantly being reminded of my exact place in stand-up comedy you and i talk about this all the time uh i don't know if we've talked about this part you know what i feel like mean? well i feel like our friendship is me complaining a lot and you listening <laughs> no you don't i don't find it complaint I, I i i like listening to you it's it's fun because you 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 talk about uh how you're feeling and it's it's real well i'll give you an example i was at the comedy store on saturday night that's yeah. when i ran into dane i had a great set. And by great set, I'm not saying it's the reaction from the audience. It's I put the thoughts together in the order that I wanted to. It felt like it was flowing out of me. Yeah. The new stuff I wanted to talk about just came out of me. I wasn't on stage thinking, I got to go here, I got to go there. It 
felt right. Yeah. I was on top of the... You know that feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've conquered. Yeah. There's no greater feeling. Now I'm going to go on to the improv. I'm going to go now do my next set. Uh, but hold on. Uh-oh. Hold, hold, hold on. Hold everything. What Before happened? we celebrate Uh-oh. for a moment, I felt what? on top of the world. Uh-oh. This was my microcosm. Here this was go. my world. Who Ouch. do I run into outside of the club? My dad. Yes. Oh. With, get, believe it or not, oh. he, he was getting out of a, a, a black... SUV oh, limo thing Ooh. with Chris Rock and Steve Martin. Oh. And immediately I was reminded of my exact place in this business. Oh. What, what you mean you felt bad or somehow seeing them made you yeah. feel what? Less than Absolutely. where they're at? Well, I, I, I don't see everybody scrambling when I show up at the comedy store. I don't see excitement. I don't see people on their phones. I don't see the security coming over. I don't. Right. In fact, I don't think when I go into the comedy store or any club, I'm allowed to just walk up on stage, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. And, and, you know, I don't begrudge your talent at all. I yeah. mean, Steve Martin and Chris Rock, they're two of my, my favorite Comedians. They are, yeah. I mean, okay. I think you can see a little of uh, Chris Rock when I'm on stage, and Steve Martin for sure. My goofiness comes from Steve. I grew up listening to Wild and Crazy Guy. But oh, jeez, yeah. But you know, for that one moment, if I stood out on the pavement after that show, I would have been flooded by people that were in that show, excited to see me. And yeah. for a moment, I was Steve Martin and Chris Rock on that show. Yeah. But the minute I walk out and the real Steve Martin and Chris Rock are on uh, there, yeah. I, I'm Orny Adams, yeah. uh, maybe selling tickets in the next city I go to. Yeah, but you're you're the Steve Martin to a comic that hasn't reached your levels, too. You know what I mean? Well, that guy's pathetic. Yeah, I know, but he might be the <laughs> And future. who is that one? Well, that's my dad, but... <laughs> But you know, it's just, it's just, uh, you know, you, there's a bullshit. There's a and don't tell order. me to be grateful for what I, I, I don't want to no, hear don't, it. It's, I wouldn't it's want you to be grateful. It's, it's, no, it. But it's just, uh, you just gotta realize that there's always someone above you. I mean, you know, Steve Martin and Chris Rock could be standing there, and someone bigger could walk by. You know, and who's bigger? You, uh, Brad Pitt could walk by. He's you doing know? comedy. Well, it doesn't matter. They wouldn't care what he did. He could do a silent popcorn fart and they'd freak out. You know what I mean? So there's always there's always someone bigger and better and more famous and this and that. So you you can't chase that. You know, you just got to be – you have to know that what you did on that stage, you owned that time and that space and people loved it. That's too zen for me. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know. I, if I start thinking like that, I'm not going to be funny. I know. I've got to be know. tortured. That's what's wrong. Torture, That's, yeah. You know. If you have time later, I'd love to waterboard you. If you have, <laughs> do, you have do you have water at the house? I do, but uh, after I got my first water bill, yeah, uh, oh, yeah, it's the worst. If I run down I've to Ralph's and get some bo- water, bottled water, could I bo- waterboard uh, your face? It's got to be purified. Yeah. Do you want... Uh, Fiji waterboarding. Do you want uh, sparkling or regular? I don't... I, I, not sparkling. What about flavored? Can I waterboard sparkling. you with strawberry... Let me tell you something. Waterboarding... rhubarb water? Rhubarb. Let me... Waterboarding <laughs> on its own is, is, is a horrible thing, but with sparkling water... That's... That could be good. That like could the death be, penalty. That could be the elite, you know? It's like... Excuse me, if you're going to waterboard me, could I get sparkling, please? Or Perrier? What? Imp- is that Arnold again? No, this is this is Fabio. Uh-huh. I can't believe it's not waterboarding. <laughs> I want to talk to you about how you get to the airport. Because 
<laughs> no, this okay. is this is interesting. Harlan is a guy. I think you're older than me, right? Yeah, by a bit, couple of minutes. And think of us as twins, and I squeezed out first. Yeah, and then I reached back in and pulled you out by the hair. Years later. Yeah, your mother was not happy. By the way, your father videotaped it. Too. Can I have one of your Snickers? One yeah. of our sponsors? Yeah, please. So, you you pulled me aside as as a sort of a mentor at one point, and you said, you said, uh, how are you getting to the airport? Oh, you know, I tell you how you. No, no, you drive yourself and you park. Right at the terminal, which is like, yeah. you know, $75 a day. It's 40 I just paid yesterday. I think I paid uh, almost $500 for 10 days of parking. That's ridiculous. You could have taken a helicopter. You could have. But I walked off that plane. I got in my car. Mm-hmm. I drove home myself. I turned on my music. Mm-hmm. I went through yellow lights the way I like to. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to listen to anyone. I didn't have to smell anything. I didn't have to deal with someone's driving habits. I didn't have to. I just believe me. I'm mm-hmm. I'm paying for that. That to me, that's that's the only time in my life I probably waste money. And you always fly first class. If I can, I fly first. I, look, I told you earlier, the, the hardest part of me for stand-up is all the traveling. I hate it. So if I can do anything to alleviate the misery, I, I will do it. Right. So so that's that's what I do. It, it's a little bit of, a, of a more money, but it, it, what it does for me personally and myself – my 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 mind and psychologically, it's 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 worth it. Believe yeah. me, yeah, I, it makes I, it bearable. I enjoy taking. And by the way, outside of the comedy store, I was standing there waiting for my Uber X. Oh God! As these guys are coming out of their limo, limos or yeah. SUV. What well, do they call? See, those you've done str- it to yourself. Mm. Yeah, you, if you want to, if you want to be perceived at their level, you got to start riding in a stretch to your gigs. You got to fly first class. Yeah. Bro. I like the Ubers. I why? I, I only like them for drive-bys because that way they can't really nail you down. Like they don't. Who mm. who did that drive-by? We're not sure it was in an Uber. Right. Oh, even though his credit card on the file says Harlan Williams. Well, I hitchhike. I do mm-hmm. Uber the Uber hitchhike thing. That's a I new don't uh, use option. I haven't tried yet. That's yeah, you just use your thumb and mm-hmm. uh, and they'll pull over and hey, Uber, you just hold yeah. up your phone and it, it's a thumb, right? It's a, it's yeah, a that's right. Thumb. Yeah, so it's a lot easier. It's a lot more con- conspicuous. And mm-hmm. I don't use a gun for my uh, drive-bys. I use a leaf blower. I do blow-bys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, it's just so nice to see people fall over, knock them over, old ladies. Sometimes you get lucky, you get a baby, you can roll them down the street for about a quarter mile if you got a good Black & Decker leaf blower. I feel like I'm being hypnotized right now. You are. You are. Take off your shirt. Take off your shirt. Take off your shirt. I meet really interesting people, which yeah. I, which is why I enjoy. And I've started on the road yeah. interviewing my drivers. Oh, Uber. Uber and some black cars. In the next episode, I think it's the next or the one after that, yeah. either four or five, we're going to play some clips of a driver I had in Detroit who oh, ran wow. coke for the mob. Good Lord. Tells a whole story about having, you know, pulled over and the, they're all at gunpoint pointing Jesus. at him and he's on the ground. Tells me, this is my driver. He's wearing Whoa. a suit, wearing the black SUV limo. I'm rolling like Chris Rock and, uh, and yeah. Steve Martin. And you're wow. paying a price. You better you're believe pay it. pay a price. You're probably going to be in the uh, witness relocation program now because of an Uber drive. Maybe. Do you know wow. what Tadik is? Yes, it's an English form of tea mm-hmm. and a hot toddink and a crumpet. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of them have it in the morning. They like it. Absolutely. A hot toddink. <laughs> 
Persian question. What's the Persian? You got it. Yeah, I can't. I can only imagine. Yes, yes. What is the Persian question? You have to explain to me the burnt rice. Historically speaking, this is a almost a form of delicacy called tadik. It's a burnt rice, perfectly brazened layer of rice at the bottom of the pot, used with toppings, and it's supposed to be a delicacy. You're the only country burning the rice. Yes, 100%. I'm going to take the rice that tastes like rice. This is off the record, right? I don't like it either. It's crackly. It hurts your teeth. Like, I've never been a fan. But do you fear for your life speaking out against the Persian rice? Yes, I do. People fight over that burnt rice. I don't get that. Do you... Is Canada burning their rice? No, we free refry the beans. Mm. Yeah, Canadian. But what about the rice? We're talking about rice. The rice, yes. We uh, we don't burn the rice. We boil the rice. Um, we don't like it burnt. Mm-hmm. We like rice nice and boiled and white because it resembles snow. Mm-hmm. We all grew up as kids. We ate snow. Mm-hmm. And so rice is like indoor snow. Yeah. Yeah. It's delicious. That is, that's really beautiful. And it's like snow that doesn't melt. Because when you're a kid, you'd be outside, you'd eat lots of snow and it melts right away. But rice sits on your plate for a while. It's steam. It's like hot, steaming snow. Can I be honest with you? No. I I don't know if I've ever waited long enough to see. Maybe the rice does melt. Well, it might. It might. Most things do melt over time. Like if you sat it on a plate for probably... 12 years Mm -hmm. probably melt right everything melts yeah it really does you melt my heart (laughs) so i'm gonna play a clip for you now we're gonna get serious which is really hard (laughs) you you that stopped you in your tracks a little well because i felt the sincerity (laughs) yeah i really did melt my heart yeah i love that (laughs) what i (laughs) i've never seen you so flustered (laughs) Like, I'm trying to get into a really serious clip I know, but it's with a like, driver that <laughs> oh, that, okay. that Uber 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 yeah. Sorry. in Armenia, yeah. and I'm thinking, you, you know, <laughs> I, like when we go out privately, you're, you're not this guy at all, which is which I love. I love both Harlans, but I'm like, I'm like, I want to play this really serious okay. clip. How do we go from rice that doesn't melt to you violating? porpoises or dolphins uh yeah into something really you know how you do it you just hit the play button bro i'm gonna hit play this is a it's a very long clip do you mind sticking around sure i mean otherwise i mean it's it's over 10 minutes you could it's over 10 minutes you could go i'll go run errands make an omelet Mm. i'll go make some rice listen to this clip with me and tell me what you think okay all right I want to play you a clip of a conversation I had recently with an Uber driver that picked me up at Los Angeles International Airport. I'll record it. I'll audio record you. Look at this thing. See this thing? Oh, nice. And then I put it on my podcast. Are you cool with that? Oh, yeah, for sure. So say your name. My name is Narek, and I'm here with you. Orny. Orny? Yeah. Nice. Hey, Orny. Now, we've been driving from the airport, and you guessed what I did for a living, right? Oh, yeah. You are a comedian. And as we drove north on the 4-5, now this is early November, we encountered the horrendous L.A. fires. I thought it was scary. The fires were to the left of us, and then a helicopter came and dropped water. But the helicopter, I mean, I don't know, like, felt like it was like 10 yards above the car. It was scary. Very scary. As I just mentioned, you could see the faces of the helicopter people over there. That's right. You can see the pilot's faces. Now, I don't know about you, but when I see a helicopter hovering over my car, I don't want it so close I can see their faces. Now, we've been in the car for about an hour, and you, you're you originally from 
Armenia. I was, yes, I'm, I'm from Iran, but I was born in... Yeah, I'm Armenian, but I was born in Iran. Tell them the story that... I got to oh, tell them the story? The tadik, the... Uh, rice. The rice, burned rice. <laughs> I, go, I go, these Persians, they burn the rice, and then they fight over the burnt part. I mean, like, I get it, like, if you, you burnt it by accident the first time, and then you stop, but you guys do it every time. Like, yeah, stop with the burnt rice. We get it. That's the worst Cook it right. part. It's the worst part. They fight over it. I go to my friend's house. They're, they're Persian. They serve me the rice, and they go, this is the part everybody wants. So yeah. Exactly. That's a, that's the part that everybody is fighting for, you know. You know what the part I want? The part that uh, tastes like rice. <laughs> it tastes like burnt, old, stale water. <laughs> you know what? I was always wondering why other people don't like that part of rice. I was, I was like, bro, just eat this. But they were like, mm. I got news for you. You can tell your country. You're the only country burning the rice <laughs> over and over and over and thinking it, it's acceptable. <laughs> like it had to have so it had to have been an accident. The pro- oh, oh, you burnt the rice. And then they, they, well, tell the kids that it's a delicacy and that they should fight over it. And then it becomes a tradition. <laughs> Maybe that's how it started to be. A- I know that's how it started. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'll tell you something. I've been interviewing. Uh, I'm doing a segment called "Who's Driving Us to the Airport?" Because I was in Detroit. And there was a guy that uh, used to run uh, cocaine for the D- Detroit mob. Slam on the brakes, and in a couple seconds, both doors are open. I got guns at my head, and detectives grabbed me up and took me to the cop shop. <laughs> and uh, What kind of goods? Cocaine. Told me the whole story. And then here, I've, I've had gang members, you know, really interesting stories. And you, I, I go, I got to put this thing on because he was born in Armenia, but then he moved to Iran. And then I was he was born in Iran, then I moved to Armenia, and then... You emigrated to this country three years ago. With nothing, I slept in my car for a whole month, and after that I was working from 6 a.m. to 2 a.m. every day until I, I could just get back, get my life back together because I got here with just $1,000 in my pocket. thousand bucks? That's a lot of money. Most people in this country don't even have a thousand bucks in their pockets right now. Did you come alone or your parents here? All by myself alone. Was it hard to get over here? It was hard, yeah. It was pretty hard. But getting over here, it's, it was the hardest because I was so excited to get here. But as soon as I got here and I saw, oh my God, I have nothing in my pocket. And this whole uh, place is just all about dollar, 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 wherever you go. <laughs> Do you think our value system is off? At least that's how Armenians are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the value system is off. You can't live off uh, with your minimum wage, so you have to do at least two or three jobs. And then you speak French? Like, it doesn't add up. So what's... Yeah, no, because I was planning to move to Canada before... Yeah, see, nothing makes sense here. He's a real estate agent, but you also sell cars, but you also... You're going to start a construction company. Exactly, and I'm uh, driving Uber. Yeah. I play poker. Yeah, yeah, poker player. You got to make your rent in two days. I go, there's a story here. Something, there's something... He's doing something illegal. It just didn't add up. Everything was telling me. No, there's nothing illegal. I wish I could do something illegal. I'm not that type of a person because... My family, they just raised me a type of a way that they didn't want me to be in illegal stuff, but... You have to have one good... Illegal way to get... <laughs> no, one good... A good juicy story. I'm pretty sure he has a story. Oh, just wait. I'll get it out of him. Did you run coke for the Armenian mob? 
No, no, I, I've never met even a gangster, Armenian gangster yet. In Armenia, yes, yeah. here, no. Yeah. Yeah, back then in Armenia, life was... Like, Armenia is a small gangland. Everyone's a gangster there, but it's different. It's much smaller than this. It's like the size of whole, uh, like the city is the size of Glendale and Burbank together, so. Armenia is a landlocked country. Its neighbors, Turkey to the west, Georgia to the north, Iran to the south, I get this wrong, Azerbaijan to the east. Armenia gained its independence from the old Soviet Union in 1991. Today, over 200,000 Armenians, including Narek, live in the Los Angeles area. Explain that to me. It's a gangland. The whole country was controlled by a gang, gangsters, just big gangsters. And even the president was a godfather, the biggest godfather of the whole Armenia. And then they changed him, actually. He, the, there's a new system, new government there, which is... Total, looks totally fair and they're not gangsters they're not mafias but yeah when I was there uh, the whole country was run was run by mobsters I can feel a story coming they were all there were three four uh, big gangs that they were running the whole country they were running the whole businesses and everything so it was kind of and do you get involved with it of course you do because if you want to do business I knew there was a story <laughs> so uh, I, I have a story like I was walking into a club and there was uh, five guys fighting and then I knew a couple of them. I just knew them. They were not my friends. But So I walked towards them. It was closer to New Year days, Christmas days like that where everybody was happy. But these guys were fighting drunk as hell. I didn't even get my jacket off because it was really cold there. It was snow onto my knees. Now at this point I should tell you, he's a big guy. A very big guy. Even seated in the car. You could tell he was built, and he had scars all over his face. And then one of these guys that I knew came down to came down to the club, and he was looking for me. He saw he saw me. He was like, "Why can't you come up and help us?" I was like, "Help him what? You were just guys fighting. Help you, help you guys in what?" And he was like, "Just come upstairs, please." I went upstairs. They like they were four guys sat in the car, escaped. I was there with like eight other guys who were the friends of the guy who was getting beaten up. Uh-huh. And they attacked me. Uh-huh. They stabbed me with knife eight times in my back. Can we go back to where he was stammering and racking his brain, thinking, do I have a story? Which one? Like, what type of a juicy story? I've been... He's been stabbed by gangsters in Armenia. What? <laughs> See, I knew you had a story. I knew you had a story. You're like, you know, I don't have a story. And you, now you've been stabbed eight times in the yeah, back? eight times in the back. At this point... Narek takes his right hand, puts it behind his neck, pulls down his shirt, exposing the scars. Are they deep? No, not that deep. They were just this deep. You still have scars? Small scars like that. It's just like small. Yeah. Uh, This guy stabbed my friend into his stomach two times and so deep. When you were being stabbed, did you realize it at the time? No, not at all. I just saw that my friend lay down in the snow, and then I was like, oh, my God. I ran to help my friend, actually. And it was really hard to move because it was snow until our knees. It's like a movie, blood in the snow, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I didn't see the blood, too. I took my friend to surgery room. He went into a surgery, and a long story. But the thing is, I was I was going to tell you about but the. Does that, well, one more thing. Does anybody get arrested? How does this play out in they, Armenia? They all 
escaped. But what happened was when we were in the hospital, my friend was under surgery. Uh, they stitched me up and they called the cops. The cops came. They took me to the uh, police station. But I was I did I was I didn't even get into anything. I didn't even say anything to anybody. So what happened was they called all the guys one by one to come by, but not the who not the guys who stabbed me. They couldn't find them. One of them was a gang member, mm. and their whole gang came to me at my working place. Four cars came. Uh, there was a Rolls Royce in the middle and three G wagons, Benzes, Mercedes Benzes, Rolls Royce. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there was the main guy who was about to tell me to not mention that person's name. Yeah. Uh, was in that Rolls Royce. He came up the stairs. He was like, "Are you Norik?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm Norik." And then he was like. Let's go to your office. Yeah, probably nothing scarier than having four carloads of gangsters show up at your work to have a discussion. I said, okay. We went to my office, and he came with his two big guys, like seven feet tall, 400 pounds guys. And then uh, they were telling me, do you remember this guy? I told him, to be honest, no, but so what's the problem? What's the deal? They were like, so it's good that you don't remember, but if you do remember, just... And if you do remember, move to America, get a new job, drive Uber, play poker, real estate agent, all that stuff you mentioned. But get the hell out of Armenia. Never mentioned him. Like, but you you did remember him. No, no, I didn't. I was, I, because I didn't see nobody. I, as soon as I walked out of the club, they started beating me. Like, I didn't see nobody. I just... Ah, this guy's good. Pretend he doesn't remember even now to me. I just remembered one tall guy... Uh, who was just right in front of me, and as soon as I walked out, he punched me in, in the face, and that's it. That's what I remember. You knew if you did recognize him, you knew to play along and say, "No, I of didn't. course I had to because they were such a powerful guys." Like that's scary, for, right? Uh, for us Armenians, it was normal, you know. That's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it happens a lot. Like it happened for my business that they came <clears throat> to. Get, I had a clothing business back in Armenia. They drove uh, two G wagons came to my store. With guns, but not like AK-47 or anything. Just handguns uh, in their uh, in their like they were strapped and all that stuff. And then one of them had his gun in his hand. He came to my desk, to my office. He put his gun on the desk. He was like, "You have to pay us this amount of money monthly." The mob tax. It was a mob tax exactly. So it was like five percent of my income, whatever I make. So to be secure, to be safe in that neighborhood. And that's what happened. And you paid it? Oh, yeah. For a couple of months. And then we became friends. And it was a whole different story. Yeah, what happened? What did, how did that uh, friendship develop? Uh, they want me to join them. But I told you, I don't want to get involved with anything illegal, especially something that is, uh, you have to force other weaker people to do something. It was at this point I felt comfortable enough with yeah, him really to are. ask him about the scars on his face. Exactly. When I was 15, I had a very bad car accident that I was in coma for two days. And uh, that was all because we, were, we wanted to eat outside. We wanted to eat in a restaurant. And my friend, one of my friends didn't have money. So we were like, let's skip this taxi money and just run. And as soon as This story might that, be hard to follow. So let me explain. He was in a taxi with his friends, and they didn't have enough money to pay for food. So they thought, let's ditch the taxi fare and have money for food. And they ran out of the taxi. He was the last one out. And as he exited, he got hit by a car. I was just a youngster trying to be kind of smart, but no, I lost. Uh, 
I, I was in coma for two days. I was really close to die, to death. Really, I was just on the deathbed. And Remember earlier he said he doesn't do anything illegal? Maybe this is why. Thank God I woke up from coma and I'm doing good right now and everything is fine. But yeah, you're right. We live just so close to death and we don't appreciate life that is happening at the moment. The people that we meet, like I met you, it's it's a blessing. Right. Everyone comes to our life for a reason. And I wish everybody uh, saw me as a blessing when they meet me. You were shaking your head the whole time, Harlan. Yeah, pretty interesting. That's the type of Uber where you go, oh, did I give you the right address? Wait, I meant, and then you have them drop you off like eight houses down the street. And you way over tip. Yeah, yeah. And you stab them. Yeah. You say, great drive, bro. And then you just stab them in the neck to show that you appreciate them and that you're... We just don't know who's really driving us. We don't know who's doing anything. Right. You know, look, did did Jeffrey Dahmer's parents know that he was eating the neighbors? No. Mm -hmm. Your own kid could be, I don't know what you're doing. You melt my heart, and I don't know if you're eating your neighbor at night. But that's you probably int- are. There's something in your teeth. I see something. But if you got in this guy's car, yeah, he is very nice. It's a really nice car. Sure. And you, and you would never know. I just sensed he had a story. Yeah. And so I said, I, I want to start rolling. Well, here's what's great about this. Everyone has a story. It's amazing. You know, we take people for granted. You, you see someone in the mall, or you see someone in a line, and you're just like, oh, I bet they've got a boring life, or they're with their kids, or but. I'll tell you what, everyone has drama. Every that that's the that's kind of the beauty and the the bad side of the human race, the human existence. There's everyone's been touched by something good, something bad. And most something. people just walk by these stories every single day. Yeah. I, I'm bored on the road and I love talking to people. Yeah. And I, I'm fascinated. You're right. Everybody has a story. Everyone. And you just sort of have to make them comfortable and get it out of them. I'm sure this guy doesn't tell this story often. In episode one, we had an Uber driver that uh, was actually rioting during the, you know, the, the riots. And he said, I never tell these stories. Yeah. And so it's fun to get them out of that. And I always thought, you know, you watch these talk shows and they interview celebrities. Like celebrities are that interesting. Most celebrities are not interesting. Right. Most of them have to have words written for them or dolphin sound effects. Right, They're, right, yeah. And I, yeah, I've always found that. People, real people, yeah. should be on the talk shows. Yeah, and that's what this podcast is all about. It's all about it's pulling. Great, it's great pulling pulling these kind of deep, intricate, intimate stories out of people. It's very fascinating. I know. I, I met a guy once who his name was Bob Smith, the most generic name really? you you could ever know. And this guy, uh, he used to go and hustle in in Vegas. He'd wear a fake leg brace. And he'd hustle bowlers. He'd go and he'd pretend he was practicing bowling and he'd he'd have the leg brace on and guys would come up and challenge him and he'd leave Vegas every weekend with like 40 grand. He'd get into these tournaments. Didn't the Farley brothers do that movie too? Yeah, but the, the other side of this guy's story where it gets darker is he was a guy who was in Vietnam and he was the guy that they used to send in when guys went down in the jungle and they couldn't get him out. He'd drop down in a helicopter Get the injured guys on the copter that didn't have any more room for him, and he'd stay in the jungle till they came back. And he used to tell me, he goes, you know, I used to like to kill him with a knife because it was quiet. That's quiet? Well, putting a blade in someone versus shooting a gun. Oh, I see. But just this this most unassuming Bob Smith had this this bizarre 
So you just don't know. You don't know. Yeah. It's, you don't it's, know. It's, it's what makes life interesting, I guess. And I guess a lot of people aren't curious. They just want to get on with the day. Most people just want to get into the Uber and get out of the Uber. I, I think people are generally curious, but I, I think it takes an investment. It takes energy and an emotional investment to get into these stories. You know, it, it, it's, it takes energy to hear this stuff and to, to decipher it and move it around in your brain and absorb it. And so I think a lot of people just... That they're missing out, but they can't. Some of them, I think, want to. They're they're just more involved with their own stories, and yeah. uh, it takes energy to be involved in other people's stories. Yeah, I I think I thrive on it. I think yeah. it gives me energy. Good, good, yeah. And a lot of people, it does. I think reporters have that blood, you know. And it's like they they want the stories, but a lot of people just want to tune stories out, you know. It's just very, I find you're either into someone's story or you're very self-absorbed. You yeah, know? there's too much self-absorption. But yeah. I, you know, when I got in this guy's Uber, he's not threatening at all. And the last guy in LA wasn't threatening. And the guy who ran Coke for the Detroit mob, that's an upcoming episode. None of these people are threatening. Like everybody has a story. I've found like when I'm on stage, I never discuss anything big issue. It's yeah. always my fridge, my ceiling fan. Sure. It's small things, mm-hmm. and I show how the world... Humans are, are more similar than dissimilar. And I'm as close to that person who was stabbed or as close to that person who rioted or ran coke as I am to anybody. Yeah. And there's this aloofness. There's this like, oh, I'm I'm better than you bullshit out there. Yeah. That shouldn't be. And, and we could be so much tighter as a, uh, you know, as... As people, well, it's interesting that those moments happen in a fraction of a moment. Like, like a murderer probably murders, and it only takes thirty seconds to a minute. Maybe if there's a slow strangulation, five minutes. You right. know what I mean? But that moment's gone, and then they're sitting there watching TV, and they're getting a pizza, and they're hanging out with their friends, and you know, look at mob bosses. You know, mm-hmm. they're like orchestrating hits. And there they are bouncing their grandchildren on their right. lap laughing. So That's it, what Sopranos is about. It's yeah, like he's it's very, a family guy. Yeah. But this guy, Narek, now he didn't really want to talk. He didn't want to open up about this stuff. Yeah. And so I just sort of started talking about the rice, the Persian. Hey, tell me about this. Yeah. And I sort of broke them down little sure. by little. That that clip is actually, it was like a 40-minute clip. I have to thank uh, Valerie Lasser. Uh, who oh, yeah. really helped edit this down and added the music and some sound effects. Right. She's Great over there job. Big Sky Edit. And, you know, I had it down to 20 minutes, and she chopped out another six. Oh, wow. So, yeah, no, it's, you both did a good job. It's a very interesting, compelling, like, story. You want to like, hear more. It's, like, amazing. Yeah, and that's what that's what, what's wrong with Orny Adams is about. It's about going out there, because we're out there every week. Yeah. And I, I started just recording about a year ago, recording Smart. people. Yeah. The hard thing is, you want to record people when they don't know they're being recorded. But that's illegal. And unethical, I think. Well, I think the way around that is I think you can record them. And then a lot of TV shows do this, like Punked and things like that, or Mm -hmm. Crank Callers. You record them and then after say, hey, that was a great conversation. By the way, I recorded it and I didn't tell you because I wanted it to be natural. Yeah. Are you okay with what we said? Are you okay with me using it? But wouldn't that make you angry if I did that to you? Not if you told me after and gave me the option of it being used or not, because it's, they're still going to tell you what they're going to tell you. Okay, I just want you to know right now I'm recording you. No, you're not. Yes. Can you ask me if you can record me first at okay. least? I didn't. I wasn't sure if the microphones and what the soundboard the f- and the, the headphones shit. were going to give it away, but we're actually recording right now. Turn around. I'm going to stab you. <laughs> 
Okay, well, okay. What time is it? Oh I know, gosh. you have to go in a minute. I have so to let's... go in like four minutes. Okay, like... well, we're going we're gonna to yeah, wrap it I up. I hate to do that no. to you, but I got, I got a Hollywood meeting I got to go to. Do you think I should do this podcast alone? Should I have a guest? Uh, it's up to you. You have to follow your instincts and what stimulates you. But I, I, I certainly had a great time being here, so I'm sure anyone else would too. I'm just trying to find the rhythm. I'll, I listened to the last podcast yeah. with Christella, and I was so anxious to come in under a certain time because I wasn't familiar with how we would edit it, and I wanted to get to clips, and I found myself interrupting her too much. Oh, no, you could, that's the thing. You should just let it flow, and you can cut it down to whatever you want. Yeah, and then yeah. I ended up calling Christella and recording it. I need more. And I said, no, yeah. I have to apologize for interrupting you so much. Oh, you know, no. I'm just learning how to do this. Oh, yeah, you're fine. Just just let it wing and, and let it roll, and you can make it You can make it as long or as short as you want. It's yeah. like the conversation with the cab guy, you know? I know Uber. you're going to cut most of this out. Uh- <laughs> I know. You won't even be a guest on this I'm one. Probably not. At least, uh, do will you at least leave me singing at the beginning? The theme a- oh, song? Absolutely. How about we just leave it at that and you get rid of the rest? I'd like you to cover that too again with the other musicians. I will. I you know, will. We, I hired a musician. My friend Eric Stoltz put um, sound, you know, he I heard bass it. Yeah. And, and the, I want to get together with that violinist and get depressed. Oh, I need to thank her. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on. What is the, the violinist? Yeah. There it is. Oh, God. I, I just, her. the fiddler on the goof. <laughs> it's uh, Anarita Tanzi. Oh, man. In Chicago. She did that for me. So you don't want to be a fiddler on the roof in Los Angeles because you'll get sniped. Yes, like, they'll, they'll take you out. And that wind was crazy last night. Oh, my God. Do you want to guess who the guest is on the next show? Do you have any guesses? Uh, I'm going to say Harvey Keitel. Hey, Ornie. What? Ornie Adams. What the hell? How are you? No. It's Tom Green. Wow. I can't wait to do the podcast. Another Canadian. Congratulations. On the new podcast, um, I, thanks and thanks for having me as the first guest too. Oh, that was such an honor. Oh, you better tell. Oh, I'm not the first right? guest. Oh, he knows. Oh, well, congrats anyway. Wow! I think he had wow. a seizure. It sounded like he had, a little, he little. Sounded like something. Something. Something weird seizure. happened there. Seizure salad, maybe. Um, Amazing, Harlan. Buddy, Thank you. This was a blast. I'm, I'm honored to be here. I'm honored you used the song. Kevin's honored. We love you, and we love your podcast. I mean, Kevin. You. Kevin even you know went as far as to you know create a, a new song story. just for just for today. What? No, we did. Well, you know, I played it at the beginning. Oh, the new yeah. song. Yeah. Orny and Harlan. Orny and Harlan. Come on, it's great. Or, 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 I, I had to it. have you on one of the first episodes because you're Aww, a good friend, and I feel you. comfortable with you. And that's yes, that's beautiful. Just, that's super important. You want to know what's coming up on the next episode? Yes, please. All right, here I'm we gonna go. be listening. Yeah. Hey, thanks for listening to What's Wrong with Orny Adams. Please subscribe, like, share, write reviews. Uh, we appreciate it. Stay tuned for what's on the next episode. But first, here are the credits. Thank you to Harlan Williams, my guest, my buddy Harlan. Uh, you can find everything Harland at harlandwilliams.com. Contributions to today's episode. Ernesto Hurtado, producer. Alex Kahn, sound editing. Valerie Lasser, sound design. Uh, theme song by Harlan Williams and Kevin Hearn, his cousin. Eric Stoltz uh, did the theme song backing instrumentals. Me So Orny song, courtesy of the radio show Man Cow in Chicago. Special thanks to Big Sky Edit in New York City for all your love and support editing. Uh, and providing music. 
This episode is sponsored in part by David Barnett. David is a member of the Cowlitz tribe in Washington. David generously funded the first three episodes. Thank you, David Barnett. And here's what's on the next episode of What's Wrong with the Orny Adams. Put them together and what do you got? We got Orny Adams. <laughs> what's wrong with fans having internet access in restaurants? What are you What are you looking up? Your network. Did you say net worth? They know if I have enough money to pick up the tab. Are you guys taking care of my check? No, are you taking care of ours? No! Oh, that's a good clip. You're going to like this one. On the next episode of What's Wrong with Orny Adams. That's episode three, season one. I can't believe you made it to three. I mean, that's fantastic. So, if you like it, subscribe. We're not going anywhere. Share it with friends. And we'll see you next time on the uh, next episode of What's Wrong with me, Orny Adams. Uh, to get the hang of this. There you go, Har. Great. Thanks, buddy. Awesome. I appreciate awesome. it. Awesome. Let's go get some waterboarding done. <laughs> there you go. I hope you enjoyed that throwback episode of What's Wrong with Orny Adams with my guest friend, comic Harlan Williams. Next time, I want pondering Harlan to show up. I want the deep thinker. I want the guy that I spend hours dissecting the world and everything that's wrong with it to show up. I want that guy. The guy I hike with. That guy. That's what I want. So thank you, Harlan. And as you can see on these episodes, these throwback episodes, we had, uh, I think episode three was Christella. This is episode 13. Episode 15 will be a throwback episode with Tom Green that will be released on New Year's Day. Before that, I plan to release episode 14, which is a continuation from 12. This is so... Now this is ridiculous. Now this has gotten ridiculous. What kind of podcast involves this much math? My head... I'm having exploding head syndrome right now trying to figure out the schedule. Episode 12, I was supposed to discuss Bruce Springsteen. I said, I'll do that on the next episode. Well, that would be 13. That didn't happen because this is now 13, the the Harlan Williams one. So that becomes now 14. And then 15 is an episode again, a throwback episode with Tom Green, comedian, Canadian, just like Harlan, Tom Green. This is before, I don't know if you've checked in on Tom Green, but check in on him. I think he hasn't left the house. Since COVID began. Then he got a dog. So that will be New Year's Day. And I want to thank everybody that was involved with editing this episode and producing it. Listen, you heard all the names in the credit. That's no exaggeration. That uh, Uber driver episode that I, I with uh, Tariq, is that his name or is that the name of the rice? Where is it? Tariq is the rice. That's horrible. I just called him the rice. Uh, so that that took so many people were involved with that. The, the music, the editing, you know, putting the story together. So thank you to everybody. And I hope you have a happy holiday season and stay safe. Wear a mask. Don't get too close to people. We're almost at the end. And most importantly, uh, don't feel lonely. I know it's hard. A lot of people have written me letters 
thanking me for this podcast and how it's it's helped them out of a funk. Well, me doing them keeps me out of a funk. So I'll keep doing them. You keep listening. This is What's Wrong with Orny Adams. Please feel uh, f- free to communicate with me. The email for the podcast is what's wrong at orneyadams.com. I will be back. Episode 14 is coming up with Bruce Springsteen and an artist's quest for perfection. That is the theme. Artist's quest for perfection. And then New Year's Day, the final throwback episode with Tom Green. And then we start 2021. And it's going to be better than this crap 2020 year. Thank you for listening.